You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey, Eva, my trusty sidekick and rock star production manager. Hi, Holly. Why, thank you. What a lovely intro. It's almost as if I wrote it myself. That's because you did. Do you remember that time we watched my blowjob video on My LA Porn Life? You mean on our super secret side podcast, My LA Porn Life, that only Patreon members have access to? That's the one. I mean, it still gives me nightmares, so yeah. And for as low as five bucks a month, you can have nightmares too. You say nightmare, the world says dream come true. I mean, to be fair, the perks that come with your Patreon membership are a dream. That is true. You get free art books, t-shirts, mugs, signed photos of podcast guests, and early live access to all of my podcasts weeks before their release. So if you want to help support Holly Randall Unfiltered, indulge in some super secret podcast hilarity, and get really cool gifts sent right to your door, head over to patreon.com slash Unfiltered and pick the tier that's right for you. Literally for the price of a mediocre coffee, you get monthly access to all these awesome things. Once again, that's www.patreon.com slash Unfiltered. See you on the other side. Hi. I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer, Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Today is a really fun show. I have male porn star extraordinaire Kieran Lee on. He is a Brazzers contract star. He's somebody I've known for a long time, and he is the only man in the world whose penis is insured for a million dollars. So we are going to talk to him about what it's like to be a male performer. It is not always easy, people. What it's like trying to raise a family being somebody who works actively in the adult industry, and of course, what sort of premiums are being paid on a million-dollar penis insurance policy. So let's welcome the very fun, the very British, and the always extremely honest, Karen Lee. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. I am very excited. I have a very elusive guest here today who I've been trying to get on the show probably since the beginning of my show, which was almost, if not exactly three years ago, which is kind of crazy. I'm talking about the one and only Kieran Lee, the man whose penis is insured for a million dollars the contract star of browsers and the all around best anal male performer. <laughs> I put, said that wrong, <laughs> meaning not that he takes it up the butt, but every girl has told me that you are the best guy to do their first anal scene with. 
the full How's school. that for an introduction? <laughs> what an introduction. I can't get better than that, can I? <laughs> yeah, so actually, uh, why is why is it so wonderful to have anal sex with you? Why is every girl, why are you like their favorite? Uh, just, you know, my good looks, charm and everything. No, I think it's just the foreskin and that's it. I'm dead easy to work with. I just lie there and go, go on then, <laughs> stick it in and just don't move. <laughs> Let her nice and be relaxed and then just build it up and then that's it. Go with the flow. You are also well known to be like the one guy who can literally get through any scene I don't think I've ever heard of an instance of you failing. You've been in the industry for like 20, over 20 years. So um, you've probably had rougher days than others, but like, how do you maintain such an incredible consistency? Um, I always go to like a happy place. So, you know, no matter what the day is, whoever it is, I just kind of focus on one point of the girl or, you know, even play things back in my head and that's it get in my zone and so I can be laughy jokey all the way through um but when it comes to you know doing the deed I just have to really get into my zone and focus and and then that's that how so you've been like I just mentioned you've been in this industry for a really long time have you found that it's easier or is it getting harder like because have you become jaded like how how is it now for you compared to when you first started it's it's a real weird mixture now. It's I would say it's easier because I know myself as a performer. Um, before I used to really just be all about opening up to the camera, crazy positions and things like that. Where now I kind of want to make the scenes more fun, more energetic, more passionate. Um, but yeah, I could say it's a little jaded now. It's it's definitely changed a lot in the last ten to fifteen years for sure. Um, I don't know the big, I think the big difference for me now I notice is the, the girls are kind of appearance. I, I would say, you know, some girls might take offense to this, but 10 years ago, I don't know. I, I just felt like the girls were really into, all right, I'm doing my hair. I'm doing my nails. I'm having my tan done. I'm really prim and proper where sometimes now I just feel I, maybe it's just more so being a producer now that I notice girls just rock up last night's makeup still on, you know, wardrobe has been in there for like a week and, and things like that. And I think, ah, and then I look back at, you know, the days when I first came to America and girls were pristine and, and things like that. Do you think that it has anything to do with the fact that there's more girls in the industry now? And are you working with like more new girls now than you were, were you working with like a smaller group of, kind of the same girls before? Because I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, see, for me, I've always been working kind of with the same kind of pool. Because obviously being contract with Brazzers for so long, they kind of only use certain girls for the site. So it's kind of, you know, like, God knows how many times I've worked with Phoenix Marine, Madison Ivy, um, these kind of girls. I've, I've worked with them loads. We know they sell on Brazzers, so I work with them repeatedly. But... You know, some of the newer girls, yeah, it's, it's a flash in the pan. You know, yeah. I, I might work with them once and then that's it. I don't know how long they're going to be in the industry. You know, yeah. a lot of the newer girls seem to dip in and out um, quite quickly at the moment, I find. 
Do you find, do you find that you can kind of tell whether or not they're going to stay from your first scene with them? Yeah, you can kind of tell, you can, you can tell a girl that's got her head screwed on from the get go. Uh, You can tell also by what agency she's with. Yeah. That's a big one for me. I, I know if a girl's coming in and she's signed with Spiegler, then I know that she's going to be around for a good couple of years where if she's a girl that comes in with, I won't say other agents, but at certain agents I'll go, I'm probably only going to work with you once and, and that's it. You know, she's clearly just doing it for a one-off paycheck and, and she's out. Yeah. So for those who don't really, I've talked about Spiegler so many times on this podcast, but you know, I've always got new listeners coming in. So for those of you who don't know Spiegler and know his story, he's probably the best agent in our industry. And he's very serious about the girls that he takes on. He vets them. Um, he only takes on girls that he feels are really professional, really want to do this and have like a really clear sense of what they want. So when we say like Spiegler girls are the best, it's because he's so picky about who he represents and he only reps like 25 girls at a time. And it's kind of a, um, it's really like a, like an achievement to be a Spiegler girl. It's almost like a title. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's huge. You know, look at the amount of girls that he rejects that are established girls that have been in the industry mm-hmm. for maybe a year or two and, never get the chance to join it. Look at, I think a good example would be Anna Fox. Yeah. I remember Anna Fox being around for a good couple of years and it's only in the last, what is it, year or so that she's joined Spiegler and she, she built up a great name before. Only now she's only just been given the opportunity to, you know, join his agency. But not only that, it gives the girls a lot of good advice. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at, um, I think his probably shining example would be Jesse Andrews. She's come into porn. She made a lot of money off porn, but she's invested it. And now look, she's she's flying. She's doing really well for herself. Yeah, she's got like a she's a great example of crossing over into mainstream. She's got like a jewelry company. She's doing tons of mainstream stuff. She's an established, really well respected businesswoman. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's let's go back a little bit. You've been in the industry for a while. Like I said, I don't know why I keep saying that. Like, it's like, I want the world to know. It's my gray. Old. Yeah. Just look at it. It's like, but it looks good on me. I like the gray. Uh, you know, men get better as they get older. They really do. The silver Fox thing is working for you. I think. George Clooney of porn now, aren't I? You aren't you. And look, I've even got new hair. I know. So your hair journey has actually been something that I've been following. You got, what did you get done to your hair again? I had FUE. So, my, it wasn't bad. I just noticed it was starting to go thinner. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine, he's, a, he's in the mainstream industry over here, and he kept on giving me a load of abuse, going, oh, look at your hair. It's going thinner now. Because I've always been known for doing my hair. I love doing my hair. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started thinking, yeah, all right, whatever. And then, you know, I'm in the shower. You come out and you've washed, and you're like, oh, hang on, I've few loose hairs there and then I noticed like certain styles that you do it not look as good and you're brushing it down on one side and then changing it and so I followed a clinic in London uh get more hair and followed them guys and they hit me up and said look we we would love to do the treatment for free for you I was like right brilliant and and that was it flew to England 
made a bit of a mistake. Um, didn't realise the procedure was going to be in Turkey. Um, so, yeah, that was a little bit of a mistake. And then the problem is I'd watch, like, my wife, she likes to watch all these crazy shows, you know, like botched operations and things oh, like no. that. And we'd seen loads in Turkey, and I'm thinking, what have I done? Um <laughs> But yeah, I went out there and the clinic blew everything away that I've ever been to out here. So it was great. And so, yeah, they took the hair from the back of my head and then implanted it into the front. And yeah, this is a year on. So is it plugs or is it not plugs? I don't know a lot about men's it's, hair. It's my, it's my own hair. Uh-huh. So they just basically, they shave my head and they um, they basically pluck out the hairs from the root um from there and then just implant it in and create a new hairline and fill all the density there so it just gives it that full look again and then the follicles continue to produce yeah because the 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 follicles that they take out if you if you ever notice on any bold guy that you see like johnny sins for example would be an example if you noticed he has the hair still completely gone that will never go on any guy yeah it'll never go the follicles are so strong so you can take them out and then replace it and so that's oh, wow so, it does yeah, look it amazing nine hours or something like that so yeah it was, it was well worth it and then about 10 days off and then i just had a shave there and that was it but yeah now um i know ricky johnson's just gone out he's just had his done at the same clinic uh wolf hudson is going out oh wow yeah, so I think Danny D's on about going. So a lot of the people are now trendsetter, aren't I? I'm a shepherd, not a sheep. Well, this is why they offered you the treatment for free because they knew that you'd be open to talk about it. Because, you know, I think that men especially are wary to do any kind of cosmetic procedure to, because, you know, you'd never want to be perceived as vain or, you know, you're going to be a man and, like, who cares what you look like. But you've always been very open about it. So I think people see the results and they're like, that looks amazing. Cause we're all insecure about, you know, yeah, every, everything. Everybody has insecurities. Like for me, you know, Botox, like people laugh. I love a bit of Botox. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? I've got no problem, no shame in having a bit of Botox. Like, look, if it's good enough for a woman, why is it not good enough for men? I agree. I think that you are the spokesperson for the modern man. Yeah. You no, do whatever no. makes you feel good very metrosexual like look i had to introduce my wife to getting her eyebrows threaded for example so you know i get i get them threaded um i'll give her a do she did get me on the old botox yeah you could do with a little bit here and then next thing you know bad botox a bit of filler um but yeah i just look it's no different really you think um for women look if you don't like your boobs you get a boob job you don't like your bum you get a brazilian bubblet look for guys if you know, there's a lot of things that they don't like, um, you know, and especially I think for your hair for a guy is a, it's a huge thing. As soon as you start losing your hair, it's like, right, okay, may as well just shave it off, grow a beard. Right. Um, and then it's kind of like, a, you know, right, sod it, I may as well embrace the dad bod, I may as well do it. So, ne- you know, for me, I was like, well, no, I love doing my hair. You know, when I do get dressed up and to go out, I like to, to look the part. I like to wear nice clothes and I like to look good, not just for me, but, you know, for my wife and, and things like that. So, yeah, I was like, sod it, why not? And, yeah, it, it gave you a, a real boost of confidence as well. 
You're also, I mean, you make, let's be honest, you make your living in front of the camera. So these things are important to you in a way for your career that they may not be so much for a bank. For me, again, it's more of a mental thing. Um, I've never been that male performer that's been ripped and in fantastic shape. I've always just been, you know, the guy next door. Listen, I'm the guy that will like a, a beer and a kebab and a curry. No problem. I go up and down with my weight, left, right, center. And for me, that's never really been the, the main issue. But, you know, I think just mainly it was my hair, though. That was a big thing for me because that's the thing that I see. I'd look at, like, certain angles. I'd be like, oh, my God, it's bolding, really. Like, I might be about 20 pounds overweight, but all I'll see is, look at my hair. <laughs> the right mess. But. I know exactly how you feel. So we got kind of off track, but I was going to ask you how you got into the adult industry. Oh, long, long story. So basically, I went out on um, vacation with all my friends, went on a, a boys' holiday, got really drunk, ended up like having a one night stand. And my friends took a picture of me after the incident and I'm hands up in the air, bollock naked and they're laughing next thing you know they they put it on a swingers website and all just to, just to fuck with you yeah just you know at the time i was like 17 and nearly 18 and i'm like hang on all of a sudden i'm getting all these emails um from couples saying oh we'd, you know we'd love for you to come back and i'm going um, i don't even know what swinging is this is a bit weird but whatever and then a couple from loughborough hit me up, said, look, we're starting an amateur porn company. I'd love for you to do a scene with my wife. And I've gone, yeah, this looks a bit too good to be true. And, and you're going back, like, this is a long, long time ago. Like, you're having to literally dial up, download the um, the attachment, and all of a sudden this picture pops up. I'm like, wow, she she's really beautiful. But I still thought it was a hoax. So... I was like, whatever. I said, look, meet me here at this time and I'll be there. Didn't think anything of it, but I thought, you know, curiosity. Anyway, I've decided to go for a run. So I've chucked some sweatpants on, gone running, gone to this place and and there they are. And I'm thinking, holy shit, I've kind of got to do this now, haven't I? And uh, we ended up going to like like a car park thing and I said, what do I do? He goes, can you get your dick hard? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> there we go and and that was it and i did the scene and he was oh this is amazing uh like just you know come whenever you can and i'm like just tell me when and i'll come and he was like what so i literally count down bosh done he's like, oh can you come back next week and you know we've got all these other people that are shooting like couples we'd love for you to shoot with us like yeah yeah sure great and um so that was it. I just started going over to Loughborough and just working for this amateur company. And I was still working full-time in the railway. And I had a really good job in the railway. I was a, a production kind of a project manager for the railway. So I was in charge of like station refurbishments, electrical maintenance, things like that. So it was a really good job. Um, but not a lot of people know that. I kind of got the job through my my father's surname. That was it. And I don't I don't speak to my dad. I've not spoke to my dad in what 20 odd years? 20 no, more. 20 
25 years, something like that. And so whenever I was at the railway, he's he's like a bigwig at the railway. He's like a health and safety director for the whole railway. And whenever I did anything, it was always, oh, Steve's lad, Steve's lad. And it used to really get me. And I was like, look, I want to be my own person. I hate living in his shadow. And this, you know, they kind of gave me this little opportunity. And then all of a sudden they got bigger, the the company, um, and they went on to be a company called Kilogram. And they offered me a contract. And I was like, yeah, I want to out of the railway. I want to kind of forget that name. And that is it. And so I went to join them full time and I was with them for four and a bit years, I think, um, doing two scenes a day, Monday to Friday. Um, so literally 40 scenes a month. Wow. Uh, a hell of a lot. And I kind of made a good name for myself, you know, all because I was working with a lot of the UK girls. I don't know, like, if you can remember the girls like Alicia Rhodes, um, Angel Long, Michelle. I remember B. Angel Long, yeah. Yeah, Michelle B. Um, yes. Her. She was great. All, yeah, all these girls. So I was working with all these girls, and they're going, wow, you, you're a really good performer. You should work for other companies. And I was like, in the end, I kind of got, you know, a little bored of just going to the same place every day, working on the same sofa and that. So I, I went, right, I'm going to go freelance. And if anything, that was a nightmare because all of a sudden I was the new kid on the block. Um, and that was it. People were going, oh, we want to, can you come here to shoot? Can you come here to shoot? And I'm, I'm in Nottingham, I'm in Bristol, I'm in London, I'm in Glasgow. I'm all over the UK shooting. Then I started making a name, obviously, all over the UK. And then all of a sudden, Europe came knocking. And that's when I went and shot for the likes of Christoph Clark and Rocco Sofredi uh, and Private and all them guys. And, and that was that, really. And, uh, yeah, I made a good old name for myself in, in Europe. And then how did you get picked up by Brazzers? Well, so there was a girl back in the day called Lachelle Marie. I don't know if you can remember mm. Lachelle Marie. There was a girl. There was Lachelle Marie, um, Carmela Bing, Brianna Love, uh, and all these girls. And they came over to the UK. And I, I, I worked with them in the UK for a company called Bluebird. And, oh uh, god! Yeah, so with that yeah. guy, Paul was the guy who owned it, right? Yeah, yeah, he was interesting. So for years, he he was kind of get me to contract to them, but I never did. And I I can remember working for Bluebird, and I would be maybe doing three scenes a day. Like, yeah, you know, and the scenes were crazy. It was you know ten people in a scene, every single scene. It was just nuts. Um, but how I came about coming over to America is uh, I became good friends with Danny Mountain and he was dating Ever Angelina at the time and he was getting married and he said, look, come over to America. I want you to come to my wedding. And I was like, you know what? I've just done, I think that month I'd done 44 scenes that month. I was complete, I was wrecked. I was tired. I was all over, I was in Prague and Budapest up a lot and so I was like you know what yeah I'm going to come out for two weeks three weeks so I flew out went to the wedding and that's when Lachelle Marie was like you should shoot for Brazzers they would love you and I was going look I've never heard of them you know I'm like I'm I'm fine I I really don't want to work this trip and you know a couple of days go by and I'm basically the third wheel Danny and Eva have just got married 
and there's me just walking out, you know, with them every every meal they're going to, I'm there. And it was, you know, I was thinking, okay, yeah, I'm getting in the way a little bit here. So um, a guy from Brazil at the time called Blake hit me up and said, look, we'll fly you out, we'll shoot you, um, you know, come out. I was like, okay. So I flew to Vegas to shoot and it was Vic Legina who was the... the Whose name I still can't get over. Yeah, it, it is a cracking, <laughs> cracking name. Um, so no, he said, look, come out, shoot. So I showed up and I remember my first ever Brazzers scene was with a lady called Misty Vonage. Um, old school. She was a MILF back then, so... She's a, a coughing dodgy now, I'm sure. But <laughs> the, um, so I remember Vic's giving me the script, and it was a Doctor's Adventures script, and I broke my leg apparently. And she wheeled me in, gave you know the old bed bath, and then you know one thing leads to another. And he's gone. I, I, I kind of need you to stay in character, and I've gone okay. So in my head, like I said, I go into that focus mode. So I'm like, okay, right, I've broke my leg. Obviously, if I broke my leg, can't put pressure on my leg. So she's giving me the bed bath. You know, we progress to the sex. So I've done the whole scene on one leg with crutches. <laughs> Not caught. We've done the whole scene, no cuts. And, you know, I fucked up up and, and that was it. And he went, wow, that was amazing. He goes, why didn't you put your leg down, though? I went, you, you told me to stay in character, and I, I broke my leg, so I can't put it down. Kenny goes, no, you could have put it down. I was like, oh, great, thanks. So, and that was it. And um, he was like, can you come back tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. Um, and that, I just came back the next day and ended up shooting for them. Um, and then they went, oh, can you stay another week? And I was like, I couldn't because I had to fly to, I was flying to St. Petersburg, Russia, to film for Rocco out there. And then once I'd landed in London, they'd offered me a contract to come out. And and that was that. Um, So I came back out, started my contract, and I never looked back really. You know, there was a time when I think there was a few of the guys, we all got offered contracts. Well, I got an offered a contract to leave Brazzers. Um, You're going back. Oh, 10, 11 years ago, I'd say. Um, and it was at the time when Reality Kings, they were the big boys. Uh, you know, there was Naughty America, Reality Kings, and Brazzers were on the up, but Reality Kings were the, the big guys at the time. And they offered myself, Manuel, Jordan Ash, Ramon, and Voodoo contracts to go and join Reality Kings. All the, all these other guys decided to take the contract. I was the only one that, you know, I was like, look, Brazzers have gave me my opportunity. I, I'm not going to fuck them over. So thanks, but but no thanks. And that was that. Um, so, you know, I pledged my loyalty really to Brazzers then. And I was like, well, have I made the right decision? Because my contract's up in a month and nobody's offered me a new one yet. So I'm thinking, oh, I've made a mistake here. And then um, my contract comes to an end and then Frank Lapari, the guy who was in charge at Brazzers at the time, said, look, here's a new contract. Um, that was that, really. And, yeah, I've been with Brazzers now. I'm, I'm coming up to my 14th year with them. It's funny about the story about Brazzers and Reality Kings, too, because now they're both owned by yeah, the owned same by company. The same, yeah. 
but now I'm yeah directing for <laughs> all right we're gonna take a quick commercial break and when we come back we're gonna talk about his penis which is like my favorite topic Whoa. and how he got insured for a million dollars so hang on we'll be right back holly randall unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped. Guys, we think it's really sexy when a man is well-groomed and trimmed below the belt. And this is why we love our sponsor, Manscaped, because they make it possible to have the smoothest, best-looking balls in town. Now, do you think our top male performers, like today's guest, Karen Lee, would show up to set with a bush so big you'd need a machete to cut through to the goods? We're trying to have sex here, not go on a treasure hunt for your junk through a forest of pubes. And Manscaped has come to the rescue with their perfect trimmer. The Lawnmower 3.0 with proprietary advanced skin-safe technology reduces nicks and snags on your nuts. It also comes with their Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant infused with cooling aloe vera, the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, and a refresher spray, all stored in a swanky leather bag called The Shed, which, by the way, is a free gift with the Perfect Package 3.0. This Perfect Package also comes with a traveling kit and a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep you feeling fresh all day. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOLLY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOLLY at manscaped.com. Sex toy sales are skyrocketing because people want orgasms now more than ever. And Adam and Eve is here to help you with an incredible deal to make all your sexual dreams come true. They are offering my listeners the deal of a lifetime. All you have to do is head over to adamandeve.com, pick out one item. It could be anything you desire. Not only do they have sex toys, but they also have movies, lingerie, games, and so much more. And they will give you 10 free gifts. Yes, they are literally giving away 10 sexy surprises to boost your sexual pleasure. All you have to do is type in your code HOLLY and you'll automatically get these 10 free gifts plus free shipping. That's holly at adamandeve.com. All right, we're back. So, Kieran, you uh, have the only penis that I know that's insured for a million dollars. Can you tell us how that came about? Back in the day, Brazzers had uh, a really, really good PR guy called uh, Nelson. And for some reason, I think at the time, I think David Beckham had just insured his right foot. Um, I think J-Lo had... Insured but Tom Jones had done his vocal cords or something like that. And so Nelson was like, well, look, I'm just going to put this out there and we're going to contact Lloyds of London and we're going to insure your dick. And I've gone, yeah, sure, just let me know what I have to do. And so he got all the paperwork done. I had to go for a medical. Uh, they had to examine it, um, which was a little weird. And and that was it. It was really easy. It was, you know, it was super cheap to do, I think, for them. And all of a sudden that went crazy. It went viral. Um, I was on, I did the Chelsea Lately show. Um, I did the Jerry Springer show. How was that? That was interesting because obviously they pulled me in because they've insured my penis for a million dollars but then the next thing you know when I've got there it's completely changed and all of a sudden they've got some fabricated story that there's a fangirl and she (laughs) wants to sleep with me off camera 
And then it was just a little weird. And then, you know, I was a little nervous because like, obviously I grew up and I used to watch Jerry Springer. And Does then, someone burst in the door? They're like, I'm your real father yeah, or you're much. my father. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, but that I can still remember, I don't really get nervous. And I can still remember being in the, the green room and all I can hear outside is Jerry, Jerry. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I'm really sweating now. I've got massive sweat patches under my arm. Oh, no. And then I've got, I walked out and it was funny because a lot of the audience were just like college kids. And that was yeah. it. And you, obviously a lot of guys recognize, oh, bro, I've seen, you're the guy with your penis insured for a million. And so, yeah, that was interesting. And, and then from that as well, Nelly did, I think I was the, I think I'm the only male performer that I know that had, they did a billboard on Sunset Boulevard. Um, just, a, a, they call me Mr. Big and that was that. And it was just a picture of me and Brazzers, you know, the logo. And it was during some music festival. It was on the Whiskey A Go-Go. So yeah. So the, back in the day, the PR team was brilliant. Yeah. I want to pepper in a question here from one of my Patreon members about your penis. Uh, this is from Corey Valdez. And she says, what is one paying premiums for a million dollar penis policy? And what exactly is being insured? Is the member being insured or it's function or both? Just the member. So apparently I'm, I'm not covered for loss. So if you, someone cuts your dick off, then. Yeah, I'm not. No, I'd, I'd be covered for that. But if I. For oh, if your reason. penis stops working. Yeah, no, if I lose my penis, then I'm not covered. <laughs> so okay. it's like, uh, okay, I, I can accept that. It's like I don't plan on losing it anytime soon. Like, obviously, my wife, she's starting to cut it off many a time. Um, <laughs> but then she would have to go back to work. So, yeah, that, I know that would never happen. So I'm kind of lucky. <laughs> Wait, I'm confused. So hold on. If you lose your penis, like literally if you lose your penis, if your penis gets amputated, that's not covered. But if it stops working like you have ED problems, that's covered? No, that that's not covered. It's just basically if – I think what the coverage was, if I break it on set, for example. Oh, okay. <clears throat> if, I break, if I snap it – like look, it, it happens. There's a – yeah. There's a few guys in the industry that I know that have had this happen to. And I've had a few close experiences as well. Um, It's usually like reverse cowgirl, right? Yeah, reverse cowgirl or or if you go in quite hard in a certain position, you pop out and then push back in. You know, I've bruised it completely. And yeah, it's not pretty and it's quite painful. Yeah, I I can't even imagine. What is it that snaps? Is it like the ligament that keeps well, your penis hard? You don't realize there's actually like a small bone inside your penis, so that can that can break. But yeah, it's the ligaments and everything like that that can really cause damage, and that's it. You build up a you can build up scar tissue apparently, mm-hmm. and then once you do that, then you're kind of screwed. Like I think from what I understand as well, a lot of guys that um, inject, they build up a lot of scar tissue. So that's why, you know, they'll get to a point where even the the cabajack and that that they use, you know, they they can't use it anymore. And if you guys are interested in learning more about that, if you go and listen to my interview with Phoenix Marie, she treats people with that kind of scar tissue buildup. So she does a really 
good detailed explanation of how that happens and how Caverjack contributes to that and how she um, does a treatment for it. So just if you want to get more detail about that, it's pretty interesting, I think. So I know this is something, I actually hate this when people ask me this question because I always, I can never remember when I'm put on the spot, but I'm going to ask you this question anyways. Do you have any like crazy onset experiences that you really stuck out in your mind that you could tell us about? Um, yeah, I'd say there's been a, there's been a few. Um, I remember working with Alexa Thomas. I think it was. Yeah, I, right? she's from Spain, right? Yeah, beautiful, yeah, beautiful, beautiful looking girl. I was like, okay, so we're doing the the comedy part of it, and I was shooting at Kelly Holland's house, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you well, you might notice, but the windows are really, really thin, like the glass. I I know what you're talking about. I've seen this video, but go on. Yeah, and so we're there meant to be ten, and I've literally just put my hand on the on the window. And the whole thing is just shattered, the whole window. And <clears throat> I've looked down and I've, I've still, to this day, I've still got it. My whole hand was cut open, sliced open. And I'm thinking, oh, no. And I'm thinking, I, I can't, the bleeding won't stop or anything like that. So, but all in my head, I'm thinking, gosh, she's really beautiful. I think she's going back to Spain next week. So I don't know if I'm going to work with her. So I've just literally said to Mark Nicholson, I'm like, get me the first aid kit. I've bandaged my hand up <laughs> and carried on with the scene. Um, I, somehow I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. And it was just in my head, but yeah, um, there's a few. And then obviously there's a few scenes. Um, I broke my jaw playing soccer and I was in intensive care for like nearly five days with it. And then I came out and I was probably home for like a week and I get really bored. I, I'm not one, but I can't sit still. I like to be working. And, and it was at the time when I just started directing as well. And I had a load of scenes lined up. Um, I remember it was Alexis Ford, for example, she was doing her first ever boy girl scene. Um, there was, ah, I can't remember it. Chloe Moore and another girl and but I had my mouth wired shut so I you know I couldn't talk and it's probably bliss it was probably the best time to ever have me on set um but you know the office were great they were like look take as long as you want you know don't there's no need to come back you know stressing to come back but I wanted to shoot and so I just had the guys in the office rewrite scripts and they had scripts where I was a dental patient they had script where I was in the in the emergency room. They had another script where I was a mime and things like that. So I just went straight back to work. But the only problem a is, mime. yeah, the only problem is, is you know, I I like I use spit to, to you know to get yeah, but I couldn't spit, and so I'm literally going to the girl, mm-hmm. putting my hand there so she could spit on my hand so I I could jerk off. So yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. They were some interesting things. How did your crew manage that? Because I just feel like they would be taking full advantage. Because oh, you can't talk back to them. Yeah, they were loving it. And I'd just give the eye roll. They knew, like for me, I'm good with my, you know, this was, yeah, no, I'd had Botox as well. So it was hard to even give like, <laughs> uh, give, like distinctive dirty looks. But they kind of knew, 
I kind of change it up. I start, if I'm annoyed, I start going really fast. And like, so they, they wouldn't know, but to be fair, they were fine with it. They were, they were loving it that they couldn't hear me and didn't have to listen to me. So it's great. I think the girl, that was probably the, these are the girl's favorite scenes with me. Yeah. He didn't say a word all time and he had this magical penis. So they got the best of both, didn't they? Did you like bring like a chalkboard and write things? Like, how did you give people direction? I was, thankfully the scripts are quite self-explanatory anyway, but it was just like map. I, I would have my notes beforehand for the scene. So I would give them to my camera guy and then say, Hey, look, just, you know, Mm-mm-mm. and then he would, you know, tell them what I wanted. And then I'd be like, and then if he'd say something, I didn't like, like that again. But I could, I could kind of get certain kind of words like, yeah, no, 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 no. That's that's as much as I can. That's as oh much. Oh my as god! Can. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it was. They were loving it. One other, uh, there's so many things about you that are incredibly iconic, Kieran. But I have to say, the one, the, god damn it, my shirt popped open again. Sorry. No, I didn't know. Oh, I can't keep my boobs in. <laughs> this is terrible. It's not bad viewing. Fuck. Okay. Stay, stay. Anyways, sorry. Uh, the So everybody who's been in the adult industry for a while and who's worked for you knows that when suddenly on a performer's timeline on Twitter, <laughs> it says, I've shit myself. Yeah. We know they are working with you. Pretty much anywhere really it's not even on set anymore if i see the opportunity to go for it i'm going for it but it has backfired for me once only once i know who you're talking about and to be fair and like i look back at it now and it was a long long time ago and you know i am apologetic for it um but it was just a red rag to a bull it was the in the makeup I don't get how these girls fall for, and I've just gone, well, okay. And then the phone was there and I thought, well, I've got to do it. And uh, yeah, the consequences afterwards were a right tongue lashing, shall we say. (laughs) You just can't help yourself. Oh no, not at all. And like, even, even like now in my personal life, it's like, if I know that I'm winding my missus up, I will keep pushing it till she snaps. I don't know why it's just, just how I've been. I'm an aggravating son. Do you see that in your children as oh, well? Oh, yeah. My my eldest is carbon copy. He oh. is the carbon copy. He is literally mini me. And so do you encourage it or do yeah. you try to discipline him? No, I encourage it. Oh, you're terrible. Kate, Kate is the one. She she disciplines him for me i just i just have a laugh i joke with him and he, he is cheeky but i he, he's just his mannerisms everything are the same as me it's like for me if i go to a to a grocery store or where I, look it's just the english in me i'll always say oh hi hello beautiful how are you you know it's just how you know i talk and, and things we'll go to the store now and they'll be like, oh hi beautiful <laughs> and uh, you know you've got, and he's a good-looking kid, yeah. and um, you know you've got this five-year-old. Oh, hello, beautiful. How are you? And oh, thank you. And you know he's he's got a bit of a twang of the English accent as well. So, yeah, yeah. He's, 
Yeah, he's a little ladies' man as well. He's got that at school. He's like, Dad, I've got three girlfriends at the minute. I'm like, good job, good job. Oh, my God, that's adorable. Now, since you've become a father, has that changed your perspective on the adult industry or your career in general? Yeah, it's made me grow up a lot. Um, Before I was, I wouldn't say careless with money and things like that because I've never been – one that's crazy going out spending on flash super things like that but i think more so now it kind of makes you go right okay i want to plan for the future for my children and you know so that's when well i've had we've had max now six yeah six coming up six but you know for the last seven eight years it's been like okay right we need bricks and mortar. So we've bought, you know, property and done investments and things like that. And all of the children, they have their own savings account that, you know, I put into every month and, and things like that. So little things like that really kind of give you a bit of a wake up call. And, um, the industry itself, not so much because I, I'm very good at separating my work and my personal life. Um, I don't really, I, I knock around with a few people in the industry, not a lot. Um, but majority of my friends are all back home and, you know, they're all builders, electricians, you know, they're, you know, bog standard jobs, you know, but that, that kind of always kept me grounded. So I've always had that side. So, you know, we've actually just been speaking about it in the last, you know, few days. Um, you know, we want to move back to the UK. Well, I do. Um, She's not so keen. She doesn't like the weather and she's not a fan of the food. But for me, I just think it's a it's a better way of living for the mm. children to have, you know, close friends and family. And that's what I grew up with. So I want them to have the same kind of upbringing that I did. Yeah, you're, that kind of mirrors very similarly to how I was raised. You know, my parents very much separated the industry from <clears throat> family and they always took a lot of time for family and uh, you know, so I feel like I was raised with a very healthy balance. Mm. Do you ever, are you worried about the time that you're going to have to tell your kids what you do for a living? Do you plan on having like a sit down chat? Cause people always ask me, when did you find out what your parents did for a living? And I don't remember there ever being like this moment where they had to be like, okay, you know, sit me down. I think it was just this understanding that mom and dad made movies for grownups. Yeah. And that's kind of what it was. And then I don't know. I don't remember finding out, but it was never, it was never a big deal for me because my parents didn't make it a big deal, you but know. So yeah, I think that's the way that we'll go about. It. Like, look at the moment already. I get recognised quite a lot when I'm mm. out, um, especially when when I go back to the UK, for example. I'll, I'll go to the to a football match, and you know there'll be thirty thousand people there, and I'd probably stop maybe 50, 60 odd times for pictures throughout, you know, at the ground with, you know, people. And a lot of the time now I take my little boy and he's like, dad, why, why does he want your picture? Why is he? And I, and I, you know, he's too young to understand at the moment, but I just go, daddy does some TV type work. And that's how I kind of pass it off at the moment. But I know it'll get to the stage where, you know, he'll be able to Google things. He'll be able to, you know, find things out and, you know, kids are so smart these days. He's going to put my, my real name into, you know, Google search engine. It's going to pull up everything. 
Yeah. So, yeah, that's the difference. I didn't have internet when I was growing up as a kid. Yeah. So, and look, he's a little whiz kid now on YouTube and things like that. So, look, he's going to he's going to find these things out. I've just got to be honest with him. Look, th- this is what daddy's done to to basically set you up for a good life you've never wanted. You've always had nice clothes, you've had food on the table, holidays and and things like that. And so you know, and we've we've always taught them, you know, right from wrong. And look, there's there's a lot worse careers out there. I could, I could be a drug dealer, I could be a bank robber, things like that. Look, I'm doing something that gives other people pleasure. Um, I'm not hurting anybody in the process, and I'm providing a good living for my children. So for me, I I don't see a problem with that. Um, do I hide it from other parents? Yeah, I definitely. So over here. In America, I do not so much in the UK because, like I said, in the in the UK, everybody kind of knows what I do anyway. You know, I'm in the media a lot and and things like that. But over here, like our, our children go to like private school, and there's doctors and celebrities that go to the school, and it's like you kind of I just don't say anything. Like even like the the area that we live like you know we're all new neighbors oh hi what do you do and things like that and I just say I work in the internet just because I don't want any kind of discrimination against my children look my children are uh, uh, honest as the day come that they're you know they 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 didn't choose my career I chose it Mm. I don't want them being cast to one side because Oh look, his dad does porn. Oh, you, you're not going around there, you know, and things like that. And people have a real bad perception of the porn industry, no matter what. Even today, um, I think a lot of people still think, "Oh, it's seedy. It's you know, girls that have daddy issues, people taking advantage, and and things like that." And look, I'm not going to lie. There is instances where people do take advantage, and there is girls that come into the industry with um issues um but then again it's also helped a lot of girls escape from them issues and Mm. you know they've gone on to lead you know fantastic life and you know make a lot of money and great investments and you know they're happily married now with children and settled down it's you know it's it's one of them really yeah no i i agree and i understand exactly how you feel uh my parents same thing we just kind of didn't tell people what they did for and I remember like even when I was in elementary school and I knew what they did for a living but I couldn't really tell other people what they did for a living we had this kind of cover story that my mom was a glamour photographer and she had done some mainstream stuff so it always referenced that I remember in particular coming home with a school project and it was uh tell write about what your mom does for a living And I just remember like having this kind of look on my face in class and the teacher saying to me reassuringly, it's okay. Even if your mom works, you know, from home, even if your mom's a housewife, she still has a job. So just talk about what she does every day to take care of your family. And I was like, that's not the problem. And I had to bring it home and my dad had to help me write it out, you know, and come up and like talk about what she did for a living, but not really. So and I remember once a kid, uh, somehow the word got out, I don't know, and a kid brought a penthouse magazine in where she had shot it, and he's passing it around, telling everyone that it's my mom, and people got confused that it was my mom in the Sutterfold, not the one who shot it, and the principal found it. And then they called me in, and they called my, my mom in, 
And my mom said to him, she goes, oh, well, it's about time you guys had some decent reading material. <laughs> See, the English wit. The English. Yeah, exactly. You get away with a lot. But, um, I mean, we all turned out great. You know, my, my brother and my sister, my sister's a nurse, my brother's a lawyer. So, you know, they, they, I followed in my mom's footsteps, but they went on, you know, the straight and narrow. And I have such an incredibly close family and I've been so fortunate to grow up with amazing parents. And I know so many people whose parents have legitimate jobs that are doctors or nurses or whatever, and they had miserable childhoods mm. and they have a horrible family structure and their parents don't talk to each other and they fight all the time. So this whole idea that people who work in porn can't be responsible and loving parents, I think is so absurd. And you know, I just, I, I love talking to people like you about that because I think it's so important to dispel that. Yeah, it, it is. Like I said, for me, I separate. There's Kieran that's on set, but it's completely different, you know. Yep. When we're at home, it's, you know, okay, have you brushed your teeth? Have you done this? Yeah. That's how it is, you know. You just kind of go back to the values that you were taught growing up. And that's what, you know, me and my wife try and implement into the children today. And it's like, Listen, like my little boy gets absolutely scolded. If he if he doesn't use his P's and Q's and his manners, then, you know, it's, you know, I see a lot of people now with, you know, we're around people that have children, you know, they, they might be movie producers, doctors, and their kids are little shits. You know, mm-hmm. they've got no, man, they, you know, they just take, 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 want, 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 scream and kick off. And we've been really blessed that our children aren't like that, but that's, you know, majority of it's down to Kate, um, mm-hmm. how she's brought the kids up. She's amazing, amazing, amazing mom. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I love this topic specifically now because I'm actually, so my big project, which is going to have to be in 2021 because of the baby that's coming, but I'm, I'm going to shoot a sizzle reel in the next couple months, is doing a documentary on my mom. So I've been pulling all these this archival footage from interviews that she did back right before I was born in the late seventies when she published her book. And there's this one interview in particular that was so interesting to me. So she went on a current affair in Australia Mm -hmm. and the journalist, you know, and it's so it's interesting watching her do these, these interviews in the late seventies where misogyny just ran, run rampant. And, you know, people definitely weren't as open about sex work as they are today. And this journalist is asking her, and this is literally like, a year before I was born. So she conceived me a couple of months after this interview and I'm the oldest. And he says to her, you know, do you have children? She goes, no, but you know, I would like children. And he just says in this really accusatory tone, what kind of mother are you going to be when you grow up? You know, considering what you do for a living, how are you going to raise your children? What kind of morals are you going to teach them? And she was kind of taken aback by it. And she was just like, well, what do you mean? I think I'd be a great mother. You know, I'm going to teach my children compassion and respect. And she's like, what else do you teach your children? And it was just this, this incredible moment where this guy's basically telling her, you're going to be a terrible mother because of the line of work that you do. And then I'm born almost, you know, like I said, like a year later and I had a wonderful childhood. She's a wonderful mother. And it's so, it's so interesting to watch that back as a grown adult now and just see how incredibly off base this journalist was just basing these assumptions on the stigma that people have against the adult industry. It is crazy. Like, look, 
you've got so many other professions that you know they 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 have children and then they don't care about their mm-hmm. children they they're just still fully focused on their careers and kind of put the children to one side and then next thing you know kids have gone off the rails they're doing drugs they're doing this and whatever it's look a lot of movie stars for example mm-hmm. in the mainstream world how many times do we see you know mainstream movie people that people look up to and go wow he, he's fantastic what a great actress and then they have children and next thing you know you, you're reading the news oh, they've just been found with possession of this they've just been drink driving and and things like that is look I don't care what industry you're in as long as you you know teach the basics to your kids and and teach them like you said compassion and how to treat other people well you'll be yeah yeah what is the one thing about the adult industry you would change if you could um this one might not go down well um I would say more equal pay for male performers mm. in the biz because again I know obviously a lot a lot of guys now make great money um but then you've also got you know some guys that are really established that do fantastic work but you know they they're ending they're making a lot less than some of the girls and look I always look at it this way I remember Christoph Clark used to say to me on set years ago, the guy is always king on set. And I agree to that to a certain extent. Um, I think both uh, should be equal on set. Um, Mm -hmm. Because look, without the girl, there's no scene. But without the guy, there's also no scene. If you've got a guy that can't get his dick hard and that everybody gets frustrated, and and there's no scene that takes place. And, and, you know, you've probably been in that situation before where you've had to basically call the day because, you know, the guy can't, can't perform. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to see, you know, maybe a bit more equal, but then again, you have to look at it. Look, people are joining to see the girl. So uh, that's, there's only that kind of slight thing that I would like. Um, I think recently with everything that's gone off in the industry as well, um, you know, hopefully now we're going to have a bit more of a change. Like I, I, I've never, ever agreed with the whole IR thing. I think, again, that's an American thing. Cause in it, Europe, is an Amer- it is an American thing. Yeah. In, in Europe, you never really heard of IR. You would literally, a lot of the time in Europe, you never knew who you were working with till the day of. Um, so I, I've, I've been on sets many a times when you've got there and, oh, yeah, you're working with Sensei today. The biggest, friendliest black fella you've ever met, and she's never done a scene with a, a black guy before, and it was never a problem. It was like, okay, cool, great. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think obviously over here in America, they've glamorized it a lot, and, you know, it's kind of, it's caused that divide where it's like, oh, well, you know, and agents uh, are really guilty of it. But then you could say studios are as well. Um, yeah. By agreeing to to pay X amount more to work with a black guy. I, I, yeah. Me, it baffles me. Um, and it's been a real sensitive subject for me, like, because um, I've had, I, I had somebody, when somebody said to me the other week, um, they went, oh, I bet you're one of them people that say they don't see colour. And 
for me, yeah, I, I you could say I'm ignorant in that way, but no, I, I don't see color um, because it's just the way that I was brought up. Like a lot of people don't realize that, you know, I'm part Indian myself. And so I grew up with blacks, whites, Asians, you know, you name it. So even to this day, I never look and go, oh, Immy, you know, oh, he's the the Pakistani lad that's now, a, you know, a banker. I just go, oh, Immy, tall guy, good looking lad, great footballer. I've never, ever seen that or, or Dama, oh, fat black kid. I never say that. I go, oh, he, he was the fat lad, absolutely fantastic footballer and things like that. And so for me, it, it's been a bit of a touchy subject. And when people go, oh, yeah, well, you've never experienced racism. And it's like straight away, they, people go, oh, you're white. You've never experienced it. Listen, I was I was a white kid going to an all Catholic school, getting dropped off by a six foot two Indian gentleman, which was my granddad. So the the amount of racism that I had when I was growing up at school, oh you you packy, oh you stink of curry, oh did you come in your taxi, oh I bet you're in a corner shop, things like that. So you know I, I've experienced it myself, but you know like I said within our industry. I never experienced it in Europe and personally, I, I never saw it in Europe. It's only when I came here to America that mm. I saw the big divide. And, and that's a, a big change that I would love to, to see. And hopefully, you know, we're now going in the right steps where, you know, they're just going to get rid of that and everybody's equal paid. Equal yeah. And that, that would be a huge change, I think. Yeah. I had Isaiah Maxwell on a couple of episodes again ago, and he said, and it was so true. He said, you know, American porn is just reflective of American society. Yeah. And he says the racist, the systemic racism that we see in porn is reflective of the systemic racism that we see in American society. So, you know, yes, we definitely need to address the issue in the adult industry, but it's such a widespread issue that all of America has to deal with. Yeah, for sure. As it's a big way. It's like if you said that, and I was talking with my wife the other day actually about, it, and we were saying like, in the in, if I'm talking about the UK. In the UK, I've never really seen you know racism towards black people because obviously where I grew up, it, everybody was different color, and, and nobody yeah. you know my my grandmother was the first white woman to marry an Indian in in the UK, and it caused huge controversy. Um, I would say more so in the UK, you have more racism towards Muslims mm. than you do blacks in in the UK and that. Yeah. Because with everything that went on, you know, 9-11, and then you have a, a large influx of Asian people in the UK, you know, right. I've, I've witnessed it myself. Uh, you know, I'll get on the tube in London and there'll be a row of three, four suit, seats next to a, a Muslim gentleman and because nobody wants to sit next to him, oh, it could be a terrorist. I I'm not going to sit there, and and things yeah. like. That. And it, it's really sad when you when you think about it. But yeah, to, going back to the the subject, yeah, I would, that would be another big change. And like I said, fingers crossed, it, you know, it's gonna it's gonna come into place. But it should never have been there in the first place. Really, yeah. I've always stuck by the the saying, "Look, we all bleed claret." Yeah. <laughs> Simple as. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy how it took the Black Lives Matter movement to finally bring that issue to light. Yeah. Because it's been something that's been kind of quietly disputed for a long time. Yeah. 
I want to actually kind of not. So the other, the other issue, there were two major issues that came up in the adult industry recently, um, racism and porn. And then also, um, you know, violation of uh, sexual abuse and porn, that kind of thing. And I know that you and I have, have, have talked about this, you know, with phone calls that we've had with MindGeek and their attempt to really like have a strict code of conduct and make sure that these things don't happen on their sets. Um, so I want to kind of relate that to an interesting question that one of my Patreon members asked about men. So Jabberwock said, with all that is going on about consent boundaries and safety for the female performers, have there ever been cases where male performers felt uncomfortable? I mean, being a male porn performer has got to be one of the manliest man jobs there is, and men are usually just told to suck it up. Yeah, it's actually a point that I actually, I think we I brought up in one of our Zoom meetings. Yeah. The amount of times that I've seen, you know, where they might the guy might be asked to have sex on something uncomfortable yeah again that's that's the same for the girl as well but you know the guy is having to perform so it can you know if you if you can't get the right movement and things like that you're gonna you're gonna struggle but the big thing that i've seen is like hey look the girl might not be hygienic down below and it's just like tap on the back come on then get on with it and it's like well hang on a minute what it's you know, it's quite off-putting. It's you know, it's affecting my my performance. It's like, yeah, well, we only need twenty-five minutes. Come on, let's, let's get on with it. And that's one thing I've never, you know, I, I'm not really a fan of. It's like for me, I'm quite outspoken as it is. So if you know, if a guy comes to me with that issue, then I'll say, hey, sweetheart, do you mind just having a quick rinse uh, mm-hmm. and things like that? And look, it's an awkward, you know conversation to have yeah but sometimes it needs to be done because look and it's the same like i try and always make a point of it anyway like look i've had guys that have shown up and they've just literally rocked in and they're there they're you know they've had a cigarette and they're having a sandwich and oh okay i'm ready for textiles no you're not well no i am i'm ready no go jump in the shower wash your bollocks and brush your teeth do you know what I mean? And, and it should be the same level footing for, for both. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, I've seen a lot of guys that, you know, have been put in situation. I, I've been put, I got put in a real awkward situation. You go in 14 years ago, I went to uh, Russia to film and I can still remember basically walking into this room and it was maybe about, you know, 12, 15 girls. And we just basically had to pick who we wanted to work with. And um, I don't know, it just didn't sit right. And I was, I was talking afterwards and basically a lot of these girls were like, you know, they were just basically being pimped out. And it didn't sit right with me. And, and I still remember to this day, I refused to do the scene just because I was like, nah, look, this isn't right to me. I, For me... I, I grew up, I, I was brought up by my mother, my, my grandmother, and obviously I had my, my little sister. So for me, you should always show a woman respect, you know, very old school in that sense. But like I said, it didn't sit right. And, you know, I I didn't bother doing the scene. And I remember I didn't, I didn't work for that company ever again. You know, they, they portrayed me as a problem child. Oh, no, he doesn't. But like I said, sometimes, you know, if a guy, if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. 
uh, as a yeah. guy and you know yeah you're going to get repercussions I'm sure you're going to lose out work but at the end of the day it, it, for me I, I feel better having a clear conscience of not forcing a girl into doing something she didn't want to do yeah yeah you don't ever want to walk away from set with that disgusting feeling that you no. made somebody do something they don't want to do yeah it's a horrible feeling yeah, it is it is, it is like I've, I've done scenes before like in Europe and you can tell the girl really doesn't want to be there um you know it it just sits uneasy with you you know what I mean like granted she might have been in for a few times but you know it's clearly a job for her that a job that maybe she's not enjoying um Mm -hmm. but yeah it just doesn't sit right and so yeah like I'll always say like look is there anything like the guy if you're not comfortable with like even things like I've seen girls that are super aggressive performers and you can see the look of fear in the guy's face. Like, look, if she goes crazy, he ends up breaking his dick. It's him that's going to lose out money. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. hey, look, like, hey, I know you're working with a girl that's quite extreme today. At any point you feel uncomfortable, just shut cut. No problem. Mm. We'll cut, we'll reset and things like that. Because I don't want a guy going into a scene thinking, oh, wow, I'm working for Kieran today. I've got to pull out all the stops to do a great scene, but then ends up injuring himself or doing something that he doesn't want to do. So I always say, look, just let me know. Um, But, you know, I wish that had been like the case for me during, you know, some of my scenes, like I've had to do scenes where I'm like, this is crazy. Like, what am I even doing here? You know, in the middle of the, the desert shooting a scene and like with one bottle of water and you're thinking, this is, this is just nuts. But mm-hmm. and it's like you just wish you could say no sometimes as a guy, but you do get you know portrayed as that problem child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like kind of in the same way that women are portrayed as being difficult, you know. And now with the Me Too movement, we're giving women their voice and we're letting them talk about their experiences, and we're trying to be more sensitive to that. But I think we also need to remember that men are people too, and just because you know, society has taught you guys to always suck it up and be a man and never complain, you know, one should consider you as well. I mean, everybody should have proper respect and treatment on set. I think that just makes for a better experience for everybody. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I can, I can see, you know, why it's daunting for females on set because look at the Mm -hmm. time, nine times out of 10 in, in part from your case, normally it's only the makeup artist's, that is the female on set. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, it's a very male-dominated, uh, you know, cast and crew and things like that. So I can see why it can be daunting for for a female. But then, on the other hand, it can then have the opposite effect for the male performer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very male-dominated set, but, hey, I've got to be macho and I've got to basically bang my chest in front of all these other males to prove that I'm the man look I'm the one getting naked and having sex with this girl I've got to just get on with it and and beat my chest and and be that alpha male and you know sometimes you know I've learned now that look don't like it I'm not doing it simple as and yeah. you know I I've, I've I love my nickname of princess or diva I love it you know I, I wear the crown with pride <laughs> Do you still, uh, I know that you always shower before each scene. I've, I sadly, I have only got how many, have I ever shot you in a scene? I feel like maybe once or twice or something. 
for, I can't remember I who remember. the girl was. Um, I don't remember either. Was it Aria Alexander? You, I think you were supposed to be in that Quest movie, and then you couldn't for some reason. Yeah, I was meant to be in the Quest movie, but no. Let me tell you something. You dodged a fucking bullet. That movie yeah. was a nightmare to I, make. I remember that. No, I remember we did one scene. It was like a Gonzo scene. I think it was with Aria. Oh, you're right. You're right. It was at that one house that the next day the owners, oh, God. That, yeah, that you had a nightmare a- with the house. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but the the following day, thank God the day you were there, it was fine, but it was beautiful. Yes, 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 that one. Beautiful house. But yeah, no, to answer it, I always have a shower before. So I'm a, Don't I'm, you offer the girl a choice of cologne too? Yeah, correct. I love that. <laughs> I've never seen that before. It's it's one of them. I always say like, which because look, I could put on a cologne that, I don't know, a, a dad wears that, you know, could give a, you know, uh, that's. Yeah. Or, you know, listen, she could have had an abusive boyfriend that used to wear that cologne and it could set off bad memories and things like that. So, or, or, you know, she just might not like any of them. And like, why, why put someone through something that they they don't want to like? So I'd always say, Hey, look, here's a choice of three, four colognes. Which, which one would you like to wear? And, you know, it just adds to like the chemistry for your scene of, you know, I think it's that little like detail, that extra little like I care about how you feel makes the girl feel good too. I think psychologically it's a good move. Yeah. And it's like, and also just like having a shower, like, hey, look, I'm going to have a shower. Like I've been in scenes like I used to drive Brett Brando up the wall because he would be like in the middle of shooting and then he'd be like, right, okay, we're going to go straight from this into the blowjob. And I'm going, nah. What do you mean? No. No, I, I need to. We might be in the middle of the desert, but I'm still going to have a bit of a rinse. What do you mean? And I'd literally have bottles of water, but a mini bottle of Dove and a towel, and just rinse the undercarriage out so everything smelled nice and fresh. Because look, it's for me again. It's really important in the performing side of things because if I don't feel fresh, clean, and hygienic, I'm then thinking. In my head, I'm not focused on the scene. I'm not focused on the girl. All I'm thinking is, does she think I smell? It's like, that's it. And so it sways me. And that's all I'll think about. And I won't think about the scene. So for me, it's it's super important just as, as, you know, as a pleasantry towards the girl, it's important to me. So I'm, I'm in a focused head straight, you know? Right, right. No, that makes sense. Okay, I have two more questions from you from Patreon members, and it's about soccer, or as you would say, football. football. Swearing at me calling it soccer. I heard you say soccer earlier. Yeah, I know. And then I just thought, oh, why have I said that? So then I went back to football. (laughs) Okay, uh, the first question is from Dave W., he says, I know you're a big soccer in parentheses football fan. If you could change one thing about the game, what would it be? Would you change the offside rule? No, I like the offside rule. I love the offside rule. Um, at the minute, I would kind of maybe change VAR. I just think there are certain things with VAR that are letting it down and it's slowing the game down. And like, you know, some of the decisions, they're really crazy and so yeah i'm not a huge fan of var at the moment but yeah that's probably the only thing all this shit's greek to me but i'm gonna ask anyways uh 10 foot board says you have to ask about derby countries or county sorry uh derby derby Derby. county derby 
Stop it. I should know this, should know considering this. all of the fights that you used to have with my ex-husband about football. I did. To be honest, I'll, I'll tell you this. I actually texted him the other day, and I just sent him a barrage of abuse because <laughs> – was Nottingham Forest playing oh, Derby? Oh, they fucked it up good and truly. And I, I you know, I, they, were, they were in the playoffs. All they needed was one point and to get in the playoffs. Even if they didn't need a point, the other team had to score four and hope Nottingham Forest didn't concede four. Nottingham conceded four and the other team scored four and they got knocked out of the playoffs. And I was, take that, you red dog scum. I, well, <laughs> And that's probably some of the more pleasant texts that I sent. And then, um, yeah, I remember you used to drive him crazy with that. I haven't. We're actually on good. We're on good terms now, um, but we don't talk. But I heard he had a baby. Six months. I I don't know anything like that. All all my text conversations with him is you red dog dog scum. Fuck off, you forest wanker. Pretty much that's it. I've got I've got a real passion of hatred towards forest fans. Last question. Uh, Ten Foot Board says you have to ask about Darby County's future with Wayne Rooney. I think he, since he's coming in January, he's done fantastic. I noticed in the last, I don't know, five games, he was kind of blowing out of steam a little bit, but he's great role model for all the youngsters that we are coming through. He's, he's a brilliant footballer and, you know, he's still got the football in brain. You'll never lose that. And he's been a massive influence on the likes of Max Bird, Jason Knight, Louis Sibley that are coming through. So yeah, he's, it's a positive one. That's you know, I, hopefully he's there next season, and you know we can push on for the uh, playoffs and promotion. You haven't got a clue what we're talking about, do you? Nope, not at all. <laughs> I'm just not a bad. Like sounds great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not an agree. <laughs> Kieran, thank you so much. This was uh, such a pleasure. Um, I really appreciate your time. I know how busy you are, and uh, this was a lot of fun. It was actually. It was very. You sound surprised. Yeah. Um. To be honest, I hardly ever do podcasts because I normally always put my foot in it. Because, like I said, I'm very outspoken, yeah. and sometimes I'll just say the the wrong thing that will wind people up. So I just go, you know what? Sometimes it's just better not to say anything. And keep yeah. my opinions to myself, but you know, this was quite an easy one. Yeah, I try. I try to be diplomatic because, believe me, there's every day I wake up waiting f- to be canceled over something that I said on my podcast, and yeah. I've certainly, I've certainly said things that have come. God damn it! Sorry, yeah, have, yeah. my boobs popped out again. Oh, have have come back to bite me in the ass. So yeah. that's like me with like Twitter and things like that. Sometimes. I'll see things going off on Twitter and like, I just want to go. And then I just think delete. It's not worth yeah. it. Yeah. You know absolutely. I, mean? like, I think, I think you realize that as you get older, cause you're never going to win like a Twitter argument and it's just not going to get you anywhere. So just, yeah, just exactly. let it go. And it's like, sometimes like you want to defend people as well. And yeah, you're like, then it's going to come back on you and, and then, or pe- the way that people are, they perceive you in a, a certain light after that. And yeah. Like, you know what? I'm quite content with the missus and the kids and, you know, we'll go to the beach today and, and that's it. I'll just turn my phone off and, and that's it now. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? 
Well, obviously, browsers, that's, you'll see an abundance. If you go back in the archives, you can see the young, good-looking Kieran. And if you look at the, the recent ones, you see the dinosaur Kieran with new hair. Um, silver, silver, silver Fox. Fox. Silver Fox, silver yeah, Fox. yeah, yeah. George Clooney of porn. Um, was, I say George Clooney. A lot of people just say Yoda now. <laughs> but it's like Yoda with Botox. Um <laughs> No, uh, that and obviously my Browsers Plus uh, profile, which has just gone live recently, which is Browsers Plus forward slash Kieran Lee, I think. Yeah, uh, I should know that. And obviously my Twitter and my Instagram, which is Sir Kieran Lee. Fantastic. Which, oh, which I am actually doing in England. I'm buying a plot of land so I can, I can become a lord. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Name, so I'll be Lord Kieran Lee. Oh, God, we'll never hear the end of it. So, yeah, it'd be good. Huh? They, they wouldn't let me change it to Duchess. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Holly Randall Unfiltered. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my show and want to support it, I ask that you take the time to rate and review my podcast. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash HRU, and you'll automatically be directed to the various podcast apps your device supports, and then be led to the place where you can rate my show. Five stars, of course, and leave your glowing review. Okay, it doesn't have to be glowing, but you know, say something nice. You can also financially support this show through my Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Unfiltered, where you get so many perks for your support. Things such as early releases and live recordings of my interviews, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, autographed copies of my photography books, free access to my private Snapchat and not safe for work website hollyrandall.com, and my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life. Also, join my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Holly Randall Unfiltered, and you can watch the video versions of these interviews at youtube.com slash Holly Randall Unfiltered. Oh, and of course, sign up for my newsletter at hollyrandallunfiltered.com and get all the info on upcoming guests and special projects. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting my podcast in whatever way that you can. I'm so excited about next week's episode because it's just one of those interviews that I did where thinking to myself, this is an incredible interview. And it was also one of them where the guest kind of turned some of the questions around on me and made me think a lot about some of the topics that we were discussing. Okay, sorry, I'm going to actually tell you who I interviewed and it is female director and performer Aiden Starr. She's a brilliant woman. She's a strong woman. I ain't gonna lie. She kind of scares me a little bit. And she's just as a wonderful job of discussing so many relevant topics to the adult industry and society in general. Um, we get really deep into BDSM and about her feelings about being non-binary, even though she presents as a female. And it was something that I realized as she's telling me this, it didn't even occur to me to ask her what pronouns she wanted to go by or any of that stuff. And those kind of things just remind me of this ever-changing world that we're in and these considerations that we should give to people who are coming up with new ideas about gender roles, which to me is really fascinating and so welcome because they've been so rigid for so long. And I just really love exploring this 
this new terminology and these new ways of thinking that we have. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just can't say enough about this episode. I think you guys are going to fucking love it. Like, fucking love it. So come back next week for Aiden Starr on Holly Randall Unfiltered. <laughs>